to the ashes of the Imperium. Hello and welcome to Ashes of the Imperium. My name is Dan and today I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, Valentina, otherwise known as Betchin Gretchen on Instagram. Welcome to the show, Valentina. Hi, thank you for having me. Not at all. It's a pleasure. Um, I... Uh, Ever since seeing your your work on Instagram, I've wanted to to have you on the show. Um, and the first thing I saw was your amazing uh, Drakari. Like I don't even know how to describe it. Is it, are they peonies or um, like the uh, pink Drakari flyer? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the dark eld hearts. Um, I believe that was <laughs> it. Yeah, love it. And uh, like, not only is it a very striking color, but also like the freehand that you've done on that is uh, is phenomenal. So I thought, what an excellent guest for the podcast. Um, but yeah, uh, we've got a bunch of questions. Going to talk a little bit about your hobby journey and uh, your hobby highlights. But do you want to kind of just introduce yourself to the show? Um. Yeah. Sure. Uh, my name is Valentina. I'm better known as Betch and Gretchen on Instagram and TikTok. I do. I just started hobbying. Um. In 2019, over over COVID, or I guess 2020, 2020, yeah, um, because that's when COVID started. <laughs> it's all a blur, isn't it? That kind of next. Oh my gosh, I, we lost like two years there. Um, so I've only been hobbying for a couple of years. It's been a lot of fun, and I do commission painting, and I I do some paint judging at events, and I've been running a couple of fun after hours events uh, for uh, war gaming tournaments as well. Awesome. So jumping in from uh, like starting the hobby in 2019 and straight into commission painting is uh, it's it's quite a quite I suppose it's quite a steep or rapid journey. Is that something you always thought you would um, you know have you always been quite arty and wanted to do something professionally in art or did you just kind of get caught along with the ride? Um, well, I mean, I grew up in the arts, so it's never really been a conscious decision, uh, but. I have a really bad habit of trying to turn all of my hobbies into businesses <laughs> because who wouldn't want to do their hobby instead of their job forever? So that was kind of a, it, it just sort of happened. My, over COVID, my boyfriend introduced me to the painting and it was so much fun. And then I had to pick a faction. And after he explained, you know, orc color theory and their mind powers, I was kind of hooked on that idea. Um, and then as I started painting them, he was like, why don't you post these on social media? And I'm, I'm, <laughs> to be honest, I am really bad with posting personal things on social media. And so I was like, okay, but like, I don't want, I, I, I'm, it's just going to be my minis. I'm just going to post pictures of my minis to see if people like them. If this is something that like, I'm, you know, I should even do. Um, and it just sort of took off, off from there. Our local game store um, asked us to ask if I could like paint some white scars for them. Uh, and then some crude and then a, the tower rangers. And it's sort of just after posting those online, people just decided to um, start asking me to paint their minis. Awesome. And uh, like going from something that started as a hobby into like a business, you said you've done that before. Have you got I've, other <laughs> other side hustles? <laughs> um, I've tried unsuccessfully for the most part. Yeah, this is uh, I've never. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's always a good it's always a fun idea to like, what if I didn't have to go to work anymore and I could just do this and that would be it. Um, that's that's just kind of my drive and my motivation and so far you know it's like if you can a lot of people kind of get demotivated um by doing that with their hobby and i completely understand but i i guess i'm kind of the opposite regarding that like the more the more i have of work coming in and the more i get to do this hobby the easier it is for me to live life and the happier i am so that's cool i like that and also i've got a huge amount of respect for anyone that is self-employed slash self-starter because uh, for me, like <laughs> the structure and uh, like I don't know processes of you know working for someone and the accountability uh, is definitely something that I need. So I think I look at people like like yourself. So this is something you do. Is this your full time job? Hopefully soon. I also work as a photographer, and we do a lot of um, action photography and events photography. We're actually kind of doing that in the hobby as well now. Um, I'm gonna real quick uh, shout out Small Hammer. Um, that's that's my uh, boyfriend's business as well, uh, where we go to different tournaments, wargaming tournaments, and he takes photos there and professional photos of people's miniatures. So between those two, yeah, we're that's basically full time now. 
amazing yeah like i've got a lot of time for that a lot of respect for that and something i could never do myself <laughs> and uh you've seen i've seen a few posts on instagram of uh, of paint and sip as well is that is that something that uh that you came up with or tell us a little bit about that yeah so um <sighs> the idea kind of came we, we were trying to figure out a couple of like after hours events to do at one of the tournaments we were attending and i was paint judging but i was also kind of like there are a lot of people who show up to tournaments who don't have their armies fully painted yet <laughs> and they're all sitting separately in their little hotel rooms trying to like speed paint of the rest of their army uh, for the following day. And I was like, why don't we just have an event where people could come and paint their minis together, have a, like a glass of wine or two and just relax and talk about the hobby and ask for any advice or any critique from each other. Uh, so that's kind of where it originated. And hopefully um, we can keep it going at the next event and the next event and the next event. That sounds cool. I, I have always, I remember like way, way back when I was, first started to get into uh, 40k tournaments and uh, I always remembered like we came up with the idea me and sort of, sort of the gaming group that I was in at the time and we were like what if what if this like event was actually more of an experience so rather than just like turning up and in, in the UK we have uh, I don't know whether you have those over in the US but we have travel lodges which is like a really crappy budget hotel um, and it's, it's, a, it's a kind of tournament staple to like stay in your travel lodge hotel painting your miniatures like you know using the crappy little hair dryer that you get to try and like you know make the uh, the, the grill and earth crack in time for the next day um, and we were just talking about like how rather than just like staying in a rubbish hotel and eating like fast food and turning up your games what if it was more of like an experience and i think i think there's definitely like a a subsect of like perhaps event goers who would be willing to pay a little bit more to have like a dinner or wine and like gaming and like just like actual normal adult things as well as like toy soldiers as well yeah no absolutely um and that's kind of what i've been discussing lately with uh one of our big tournament organizers they're called wicked dicey um they host many events, um, but I think the most prominent ones that I'm involved with are Ironwald, which we were just at, and Everwinter, which is in the winter uh, in Boston. And that's kind of our goal. And so, uh, spoiler alert, I'm partnering with Wicked Dicey to kind of bring some after-hours events to their tournaments, um, which include the Painted Sip. Uh, and this past event, we ran a really cool social deduction game inspired by Two Rooms in a Boom, which is a live a huge social deduction game for like between 20 to 50 people and i rewrote it and we reflavored it to be the horus heresy uh and it was great it was a lot of fun it was fantastic so we're going to be doing that again um forever winter awesome with a pizza party with a pizza party. i mean anything with pizza is obviously automatically better but uh yeah warhammer pizza is a great combo and uh, in terms of events yourself, like, have you got any highlights? Have you been to any events that you think like that was the best thing ever or anything you're looking forward to going to soon? Honestly, the, the two rooms, um, Horus Heresy was a, a, was probably the highlight because everybody, <laughs> uh, it was, we started running it at, I want to say 10 PM and people left around 2 AM <laughs> the day before the second round of, of their games and everybody was drunk and it was so much fun. Uh, so that was that's been kind of the highlight for me personally because most of the events I go to I'm a paint judge so I don't really participate uh, in the tournaments. Um, but it's really cool. One of my favorite things uh, for these events is going and getting to see everybody's army and not just looking at the armies but getting to talk to the people and ask about the decision making process that went in to um, the colors that they chose and the way they made their bases and the way they made their dioramas and everybody's always so excited to talk about it and it doesn't matter whether their army is well painted or not everybody is excited to talk about the inspiration that went into this hobby for them and i think that's really great yeah it's one of those things where like people don't pick well unless unless you are literally just taking this like a, a maths game but people don't tend to pick armies that they're not passionate about in some capacity whether it's the law or models or like the way they play like listening to people tell their own personal journey with an army especially if it's something that they've like always been into maybe that's recently got a uh, a new batch of releases like for example like uh, steve like he's huge into his sisters of battle and when they released that like a massive wave of new plastics for him it was just like such a moment in his hobby that um 
yeah, I just it's always good to hear people talk passionately about stuff they're passionate about, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't really get to talk about um, a lot of the stuff that they talk about when they go to these tournaments, which is why they're so unique and so um, prominent and growing every year, which is very exciting. It's good for the soul. Good for the soul. So, so t- tell us a little bit about the social deduction game. So um, Two Rooms and a Boom isn't something that I'm familiar with. And this was rebranded as Two Sanctums and a Heresy, right? Yes, yes. So Two Rooms and a Boom originally is a mega social deduction game that is live. So it's not like Werewolf where everybody kind of talks, but there are phases and when, like you have to stay silent and some people get, get you know, murdered in the night or whatever. It is a game that runs for between 30 to 40 minutes, uh, depending on how the game runners want to do it. The original game is called Two Rooms and a Boom because you get, say, 40 people, you split them into two different rooms. Everybody gets a secret card that is either red or blue with a roll on it. Um, the most important role for the blue team is the president, and the most important role for the red team is the bomber. Okay. At the end of the game, the blue team wins if the Oh, and, and then like every few minutes, uh, each room exchanges four hostages. Gotcha. So at the end of the game, blue team wins if the president and the bomber are in two separate rooms. And the red team wins if the bomber and the president are in the same room. Okay. So we took that. Uh, and, and then there are just, you know, everybody gets their own role and there are different roles that mess with the mechanics of the game. Um, but basically, that's like how uh, the, the basics of how it's run. So naturally, for our two sanctums and a heresy... <laughs> We had the Emperor of Mankind and the uh, War Master as the bomber. Amazing. Amazing. It was a lot of fun. That sounds so cool. The game is divided into five rounds that usually last five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, and then one minute. And after each round, the elected leader of each room gets to choose four hostages, three hostages, two hostages, one hostage, and then one hostage to send over to the other room, and they exchange. It's timed and everybody can just like walk around and talk to each other and they can choose to share their color or share their whole role. And there are, you know, there are like different, uh, different cards in the game where, for example, there's a card that looks red, but if you reveal the role, it's actually a blue spy. Wow, this sounds really cool. Oh, yeah. We're definitely gonna have to. I'm definitely gonna have to try and try yeah, something come like to Boston. this. <laughs> oh yeah, just hop on a plane. Absolutely, yeah. Give it a go. That sounds cool. Well, hey, maybe I'll come to the UK. Absolutely, come and run one at one of the uh, the big UK events over here. I think it'll uh, go down a storm. I would love to. So, um, moving moving on to your hobby, you're you're obviously a fan of uh, a fan of orcs, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about orcs uh, in general. Um, but you've you've got some pretty striking schemes. Um, how would you describe your your approach to hobby? So my approach to hobbying was I just sort of picked up a paintbrush and started painting. <laughs> but um, the main reason I started painting orcs was because when I was trying to choose a faction, because my boyfriend was like, "Okay, I've given you like a couple of space marines to paint, but we need we need to get you your own minis." I was like, "Okay." Um, was I was like, what if, you know, I don't know what colors to pick. Like, I don't want to just do red. This is a lot of minis. Like, they all have to match. How do I? Um, and he explained orc color theory to me, which is, uh, for those unfamiliar, <laughs> that orcs have psychic powers. And they believe that colors have specific powers uh, that they can grant whatever and whoever is painted in them. For example, red ones, red ones go faster. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Yellow is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you understand. And so I was like, but what if, what if I use all the colors? <laughs> um, Purple and, and so, red, they're, they're both fast and sneaky. Right. Yes. And But then, but then a couple of grots in, I got really tired of trying to do the whole like base layer, you know, line work, um, heavy metal technique. And I was like, you know what? No, that's it. And so I just started like color blocking uh, each color and then null oiling it like heavily and then just doing the edge highlight with the same color. And it turned out great. And then people were talking about how it it looks kind of like a um, kind of like a mall rat vibe. And so they became the uh, Boys Are Us boys who have um, who rated the Toys Are Us. And now have toy weapons that they use. That's amazing. And I think the absolute kind of piece de la resistance of it all was your skateboarding Gazgul Thraka. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, that was that was fun. I <laughs> He's very cool. I don't know what to say about that. I just <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it, it kind of it doesn't need introduction, doesn't need anything, doesn't need comment. It's just it's yeah. Gansko Thrasher on a skateboard. What yeah, what more could you want? Thrasher, technically. Yeah, that's it, absolutely. Yeah, my bad, of course. <laughs> Approaching the hobby with absolute bucket loads of non oil, are there any you know, any favorite paints or products that you like to use that you find using quite a lot in your in your armies? Yes. So I would say my favorite paint just in general because I think it's it's gorgeous and I'm trying to learn how to use it more in my paint schemes, but it's kind of difficult, uh, is Screaming Bell. <laughs> it's it's uh it's, it's kind, kind of, of like a, bronzy tin color, is it? Yeah, it's kind of like a um like a pinky metal brown it's one okay uh <laughs> yeah and then my um i would say an undervalued tool that i think a lot of people overlook is having a lamp a good lamp with good lighting uh it, I, I would say that's probably the most important hobby tool um you can have you know crappy brushes you can you can try to use a paper towel as a palette but having good lighting to see what you're painting is probably the most important thing yeah i remember i I forked out quite a bit for one of those big long white led things uh it's fantastic it's so good to just be able to see properly when you're painting yeah although one thing one thing i think is is important is that sometimes when you've got like really bright light quite harsh stark daylight shining down on a model and you take a picture of it stick it on twitter or instagram whatever and it's so easy to like criticize yourself to be like oh that's not the heavy metal model that i thought it was in my head i often have to kind of remind myself that i'm not painting for display i'm not painting for competitions i'm painting an army it doesn't matter that this one model looks a little bit you know ropey under very harsh light and a white background because actually when it's in warhammer world and the light's all yellow anyway not white and you've got a whole army that looks the same like that's what's important certainly to me but that's because i'm a kind of like hobby hobby you know hobby narrative gamer that is less fussed about painting in a specific style obviously for yourself as a commission painter and that's that's very different but uh that's something that i i have to kind of keep reminding myself when i when i look at my own pictures yeah no that's definitely um that's definitely one of the biggest pieces of advice i also give people is that if you do have good lighting turn it off every once in a while and look at your minis because a big probably the only problem with having good lighting is that you can paint all of these different shades of the grim dark you know browns and everything but when you actually put it on a tabletop you can't see any of them because it's dark so um that's another thing to to think about as well because you can't really see your army in the yellow warhammer world <laughs> light um neither can anybody else yeah so sometimes painting in the dark is good because then you can you kind of paint up you highlight more uh so it's just it's just good to have a good balance but having access to good lighting is very important i sometimes see like warhammer painting in my mind it's kind of like stage makeup you know you can you can you know we're talking about like you know strong lights and white backgrounds and and when you put on social media yeah absolutely your kind of chunky highlights can look a bit maybe uh, not yours, clearly, but maybe mine. But um, you know, what one's highlights can look a bit clumsy. But actually, a bit like stage makeup. When you see someone wearing a full face of stage makeup, you're thinking like, "What on earth's going on?" But then, when you're you know 50 meters away watching them from the seats, it doesn't look weird. But actually, all the kind of uh, over the top uh, like accents work. And I think the same can be sometimes said for Warhammer models. That it's just like. It doesn't matter that the transition's not as smooth as anything. It doesn't matter that um, you know your highlights aren't super, super razor thin and sharp. Because again, people aren't necessarily always what looking at your miniatures. Depending on what you're painting for, of course, people aren't always looking at your miniatures from three inches away. They're looking at a table, right? Right, exactly. And if they are looking close, then you're if if you are painting to be paint judged, you're already past the point of knowing where to put highlights and how bright to do them but if you're uh, this is what i like to tell like beginner intermediate painters is learn brush control and learn um the color wheel and learn how to where to put highlights and how hot to make them before you even you know it doesn't matter how clumpy they are uh it, it doesn't matter whether it looks good or not if you can kind of if you learn to see if you learn to like actually look and see the differences that will help you so much um, and you will move much faster 
that's really that's really good advice actually i like that um are there any uh, one of the questions i've got written down here is um what's your least favorite bit of painting advice or like a cliche that you don't like so for example for me it's people saying like oh dry brushing is for terrain only or terrain and bases you know whereas actually dry brushing can can be used on any you know dry brushing can be used on a, dis- on a display model if you're using it you know in the right way is there any bits of painting advice or kind of old hacks that you you can't stand um a couple a couple <laughs> Um, I would. One of them would probably be the question: How many layers of paint did you use? Um, as a means of determining whether a paint job is good or not. Uh, mainly because I am of the strong belief that it doesn't matter how many paints you use, as long as it looks good, and that there are paint jobs where you can literally use two colors and it'll look fantastic, and there are paint jobs where you use twenty colors and. Uh, it can look fantastic and the number of times you put one paint over the other has nothing to do with the quality of the paint job um oh ooh, ooh. <laughs> another one another one and and this one really gets me um, i feel like i feel like we've touched the nerve here <laughs> this this now, Val, val's least favorite paint, <laughs> paint advice. Uh, no, no there's just two there's just two there's how many okay, paints did okay. you use or uh, how many layers of paint did you use and how long did that take to paint and this one is a little bit controversial, but it's probably my least favorite cliche question because you can spend 30 plus hours painting one mini and it could still look like shit, and you could do an amazing paint job in like two hours. And the amount of time it took you to paint something should not determine whether it's good or not. Yeah, absolutely. And the time investment that you put into learning how to make art efficiently is way more important than the time investment into like each thing you paint. So I would say spend time learning new techniques and perfecting skills rather than being stuck seeing how long it'll take you to paint this mini rather than saying like how long did it take you to paint that one model you, know, you could turn around and be like oh it, it took an hour but i spent 30 hours painting the same model 30 times an hour at a time learning something different and actually right. the time or, or you know how long did that take you to paint a model well it, it took me 20 years to learn to paint this good you know because you've been painting to paint this good to paint this well um you know because every single every single model you paint is just like the next journey of your hobby the next stage of your hobby journey and you're always hopefully always learning and always developing as a hobbyist so it doesn't necessarily matter that this one model took you a couple of hours because all the hours and hours and hours and hours that you put into previous models have provided you the foundation to succeed on this specific like display winning kind of golden demon model right right exactly and i think what people actually mean when they're asking how long did that take to paint is how long did it take you to learn how to do that but that's that's not what they're asking so if you say like 10 years <laughs> uh, <laughs> people are like but this model's only been out for two years and you'd be like yeah yeah you know i believe in proper prior planning and preparation <laughs> i've been waiting for this model <laughs> <laughs> So any any additional advice that you'd give to people like trying to improve their painting apart from uh, uh, learn where to put highlights and learn about theory? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would um it would really depend on what people's skills currently are. I would say first learn brush control and how to mix paints and maybe buy a wet palette or learn to make I'm I'm going to be releasing a video soon on how to make like a super cheap wet palette for those of you who want to spend 20 bucks. It's fine. For intermediate Painters, I would say, learn more about color cohesion and what makes certain minis look better than others regarding lighting if they're using the same colors. And then I would also say if you're more, if you're like a pretty good painter, and this is what I tell people during painting competitions and stuff like that who are asking like, you know, what could I do to make my army be better to be like in a higher category to be in competition with the top painters is get out of your comfort zone and as much as you possibly can and try out new techniques that are different from your niche because learning from different painting disciplines allows you to merge everything and use that in your niche. So for example, there's some really, really good painters I've met, but if they were to play with more technical paints with, with, you know, like gloss and different finishes, um, just even, you know, like just even a little bit of gloss in, in some open mouths makes a huge difference. That's quite interesting. As someone that's painting some Tyranids at the moment, maybe on top of the uh, contrast that I'm going to be using on like tongues and skin, sort of the flesh kind of, especially like the kind of, they've got some quite recessed flesh bits that I'm going to use. Um, I think like a, like a turquoisey green paint. I can't remember which one it is, but um, I have a plan. And maybe actually putting in a touch of gloss varnish in there because you know and i don't mean contrast as in big c contrast tm i mean contrast on a model like the contrast between like 
fleshy, glossy kind of claws and tongues and stuff versus the kind of matte uh, kind of chitin of the kind of insectoid bits. Like that, that contrast on a model often makes things look really good as well, rather than it just all being quite flat matte colors. Yeah, absolutely. And it, uh, going back to our conversation about being able to see it on a tabletop, that adds so much because it's going to reflect light because it's glossy. Oh, yeah. Reflects light, draws the eye, looks striking. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. Oh, another thing I like to do with the gloss is um, I'll, uh, and I did this with the crew that I painted, is I would, because they were kind of walking through like a muddy, mushy kind of area, um, is I'll paint the base brown, gloss it, and then I'll put crackle paint over that so that it looks like they've stepped in the crackle paint. And underneath that is the glossy, muddy kind of texture. And it, it just adds so much. That's cool. I think there's there's so many awesome paints and kind of and I'd say paints like products these days. Things like the crackle paint um, and you know textures, tufts, things like that. Like basing a model is no longer a chore because there's so much cool stuff out there that just makes stuff look good, like with such little effort. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the um, I don't want to call it the technological revolution, but the idea that there's you know, there are ways to connect with other painters online and to see other people's work is huge in promoting um, more diversity regarding basing and regarding different materials people learn to use, be somebody else do it. It's, it's, it's a good place to share. Yeah, absolutely. Something social media is, is good for, for, for a change. We hear a lot of negativity about social media, but actually, you know, watching someone use a different product. Also, sometimes products that aren't designed for Warhammer, when people are just like, ah, oh, I've just found this really cool way of, of using, I don't know, like, um, people talk about using, like, Windex, like, window cleaner stuff for, like, cleaning airbrush. And I'm, and I'm just like, I'm paying you know, horrendous amounts of money for, like, the fancy Iwata airbrush cleaner, whereas actually I could just be buying it by the litre for about, you know, a pound or something from Tesco's. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff like that's really cool. But what about yourself? What what are you? You're obviously a commission painter. You're painting a lot of stuff for other people. What about yourself? Do you find time to for your own hobbies still? Uh, um, <laughs> I have them them sitting on a shelf, looking at me every day. Uh, <laughs> I I do. Uh, it's it's. I haven't painted for myself in a while, um, but I definitely think about it every day, uh, and I'm looking forward to. Um, start on my next project which is cool my my boyfriend for my birthday uh kit bashed some awesome grots for me uh to kind of up my kill team game a little bit because um i'm going to be using them as part of my kill team and it's i guess i'm just gonna have to post pictures about of them because i can't i can't really like describe how amazing they are but basically they're grots standing on giant machines uh with like little Wii controllers. <laughs> um, it's going to be great. Amazing! That yeah. is amazing. Uh, are they? Are they? Uh, obviously, we're big fans of Kill Team on the show. Um, are you going to be running those as like what Kill Team rules are you going to be using? And are you going to be using grots as things that aren't grots? Um, so right now, I run twenty grot list, amazing. and it drives my boyfriend crazy. <laughs> um, so in an attempt to get me to diversify from 20 grots, because I, I refuse to, I, I, for specifically for Kill Team, I refuse to use any models that aren't grots. Um, he made me grots on on these uh, giant contraptions that are going to be, I think, Rocket Boys. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to be running them as, as Rocket Boys. I'd have to double check all the stats and everything. But uh, basically, yeah, so I'm going to have a bunch of grots and then a couple of Rocket Boys. So I think I'm going to go down to... So running three of that, I'd probably be down. What is it? Fourteen, fourteen grots and three, or I think you can only take like two rocket. I don't know. I don't remember all the rules, but basically, I, I'm going to run a couple of rocket boys and then a bunch of grots. That's going to be my new list. I think if I could only collect one army, it would be orcs. <gasps> You have good taste. Absolutely, excellent taste. Um, but I think if you know, and I'm, a, you know, my my aggressive ADHD stops me uh, from picking an army, and I flip between pro projects in a kind of hobby butterfly way, which is sometimes fun because it means I can dip my toe in here and there. Sometimes it's actually very frustrating, and I, I would just quite like to. Absolutely, and that's exactly. I could just pick, you know, paint, paint five models and, and move on. Um, and uh, yeah, it allows me to like explore a lot of concepts. So even like space marines, like like I struggle sometimes with like perfectionism and uh, like making the right. Like in, I'm putting little little finger quotes in here. Like making the right decision. So when I'm painting a, or planning a 40k army, I'm like, well, what color am I going to paint my space marines? 
are they going to be blood angels are they going to be red scorpions are going to be sons of medusa you know and because i like lots of different things about those space marine chapters um and less so now with 10th edition this is the one of the the most exciting things for me about 10th edition is how detachment rules aren't linked to effectively a color scheme and a chapter you know so i think what we're going to see is um you know in like the space marine codex they're going to have a detachment that's like you know on wings of fire and it's going to be for jump pack armies and you could have white scars blood angels even salamanders you know armies that aren't necessarily you wouldn't necessarily normally associate with like a jump pack army but a space marine army is always going to be super flexible you know using whatever tactics required and then you might have like the bike detachment and that could be used again for like white scars or raven wing whatever but you could also have um like an ultramarine spike army and that's okay as well and and so for someone like myself it's always worried about like what happens if i want to run a bike army well that means i'm going to have to paint a ravenwing army what happens if i want to use a jump pack army that means i'm going to have to do them as blood angels but actually that's quite annoying having you know loads of different armies all painted the different different colors because you can't then put them all together if you want to run a mixed list um so that's something i struggle with yeah and it kind of gives me a little bit of like uh decision inertia and then i never end up painting stuff whereas for kill team it's completely different and i don't mind having five different intercessor kill teams from five different chapters because it means i could just kind of convert them up and paint them differently and it's i don't feel then it's like kind of wasted time or wasted money and having similar models because you can paint you could be like okay cool my templars are going to be a very like close combat one my you know ultramarines i can do like a tyrannic war vets army with loads of conversions and that can be a very shooty one but because it's only a handful of models it's uh it doesn't feel like a like a chore or a, or a waste if that makes sense absolutely i i 100 agree understand which is yeah like that's like what i was talking about the orcs i that was part of my decision making process for my for me is just what color do you pick um and i can't imagine having like this really cool army that you want to run and being limited to what colors you're allowed to use if you want them to have like the specific um the specific parts that you like yeah like i want to run all terminators so you have to be painted either bone or you know whatever like for a death wing. yeah um but yeah no i think definitely if if i if i had to choose if, if they were like you can only ever pick one warhammer army i think it would definitely be orcs because i think you can orcify almost like the majority of the Warhammer range. So if you wanted to, uh, and perhaps this is talking about something that's very close to your heart, but if you wanted to do uh, an Astro Militarum army, then you could just make it a looted, a looted army crewed by Grotz, the Grot Revolution. Yeah, um, that is very close to my heart. And but also yes, absolutely. Uh, kit bash potential with with orcs is is high. I think I think maybe the, and this could be controversial, but I think maybe the the, the only other army that could potentially uh, compete with orcs as far as kibash ability would be Skaven. Skaven? Ooh. In 40k? In 40k. That's my that's my other personal project Interesting. right now. Yeah. Uh, and we're talking Gene Stealer Cult kind of Skaven here. Cheese Stealers, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm making like a, um, a kill team for for my Cheese Stealers. They're going to be running them as Gene Stealers. Gene Stealers. That's terrible, but I love it. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool. I like that. Um, I think... Are, are there no is it the hrud h-r-u-d i think they're a 40k race that'd be skaven-esque that have been talked about in the background but yeah the kind of science fictiony mad mad scientist rat thing is like is fits within the actual warhammer fantasy law or age sigma law but it also fits so naturally into 40k doesn't it yeah yeah in my head canon they've just gone so far underground that people forget they exist as perfect around 50,000 years later love it that's cool with the kind of new edition around the corner is there anything you're particularly looking forward to uh you know do, do you game a lot or are you more of a, a painter and hobbyist i played lots of games as far as games workshop games i mostly play kill team i i did like start with 40k but the army i wanted to run wasn't a very good so i switched over to kill team but reading the new 10th edition orc index has given me hope and so i might i might kind of return to 40k here soon Awesome. And what was it about the the Orc Index that kind of caught your eye? It's kind of like the dawn of a new era, because <laughs> Gretchen writes. There have been victories for Gretchen writes within this new index, and I'm so excited about it. 
So you've uh, you've written a bit of a Gretchen Wright's manifesto, haven't you? I, I did, I did. I looked through. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you mentioned that you might want to talk about the index, so I read through it, and I read, and I was so inspired uh, that I wrote up sort of a little manifesto for Gretchen Wright's um, because there have been many victories and very few losses uh, regarding the set change for them. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about that then. All right. So. I have, I have my little sheet pulled up here. The victories for the Gretchen. Their strategic acumen is finally being acknowledged. They can now use stratagems, adding a new layer of depth to their contribution to the WAH. Objective control. Uh, Grots are no longer just cannon fodder, and they each count as two for objective control, which I double-checked is just as good as a space marine or a real orc. That's a that's a, a true win for Grotkind. Did you hear that? <laughs> you can put Grots on an objective marker or uh, on an objective, and they count as two. <laughs> they count as a Space Marine. Uh, so, and also, there's no more culture uh, uh, in 10th edition, which means, which is great because that means there are no more elitist orc clubs that Grots can't be a part of. Um, they're free from the shackles of culture restrictions, and they're not bound uh, by the old ways anymore, which brings a new era of acceptance and inclusivity for Grotz all around. We'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Oh, battlefield rules. They're not just assistants anymore. Grotz can now re-roll shock attack gun dice, heal other power armored orcs, um, return up to D3 destroyed bodyguard models uh, to the unit, give a squad a 5-plus invulnerable save for a turn, and heal 1 HP per turn on all trucks. They're integral to the success of the WA now, uh, and they're clearly more than just assistants. They're also for leadership. They're leaders. Many HQ units now have Gretchen in charge with orc assistants doing the grunt work. Oh, yeah. So, like, Gazgul Thraka kind of carries this big, heavy armor around <laughs> and just does the grunt work of the shooting. But we, we all know Makari is the real leader, right? Yeah, Makari is is responsible for for a lot of the um, the good things that happen during during the war. So they activate special important abilities. Um, they make crucial decisions that can turn the tide of the battle. Um, yeah, so clearly Gretchen are now the real brains behind WA, and I'm glad it's being acknowledged. Yeah, and I think I think really one of the main losses, the only loss for Gretchen um, with this new index that came out, is cover. They have lost their ability to, to be saved, to save in cover, which is a blow to their survivability, but they didn't really have that much to begin with, so it's fine. Yeah, so so it's it's really it's really nice. I really like the tenth index. I I know some people have been talking about how it's just like you know docked a whole lot docked a whole lot of um, points and stuff that that orcs had, and it got rid of culture and stuff. But for the Gretchen, it's actually it's actually a buff. So I'm excited about that. I love it. I love it, and I love I love how you've uh, <laughs> turned a lot of things into grot propaganda. I think that's very kind of like in universe accurate. I don't as well. know what you're talking about. This, <laughs> we it's really the way it's written. Rules is written. One of the things there that you mentioned was uh, no more cultures, and we talk, talked about that about from you know space marine color schemes and all that stuff. You know, but one of the things you said there was like no more elitist clubs. Being a woman uh, in the Warhammer hobby, is that something you felt? You know, is that do you feel like you're kind of trying to get into an elitist club? I see some of the uh, some of the women on Instagram that I follow who are hobbyists are you know posted recently that they get they get some flack for like posting. A picture of them holding a model whereas like a guy holding a model doesn't get any flack whereas a woman holding a model people say like why do you have to show your face you know is that something that you've experienced as a as a woman so i had a a big kind of um philosophy regard like like philosophical controversy in my heart regarding this when i was first starting my my instagram where i didn't want to post pictures of my face because i wanted people to follow my account for the the painting and the hobby content because i kind of feel like i don't know it's 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 one of two like like i understand what people mean when they say that pretty girls holding a warhammer miniature have a huge advantage that post has a huge advantage whether over somebody just holding a miniature or, or just having a miniature in their post but if your paint job is good enough it shouldn't matter if you're in the photo or not that's my take on that. And also, and also, I mean, uh, there's nobody saying that you can't take a good photo of yourself, like a sexy photo, uh, like a sexy male photo holding a miniature. 
Uh, <laughs> and that that wouldn't do well because I kind of think it would. People just don't do it. So um, that's that's my take. Like if you're just I don't know if you think it's because they're a girl and not be- because they're well taken care of and friendly, uh, then then prove it. <laughs> yeah, fair one. Um, post some sexy photos and see if they don't do well. There we go. Watch this. Watch play. this. Watch this stream. Go over to AOTI 40k and we'll get Steve, Gary, and myself in. Uh, you know, posing some 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 sexy grot photos. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not. I mean, I'm serious. I think I think they would actually do really well, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but but for the most part, like this hobby has been really accepting. I haven't had personally. I have not had anybody give me flack for being a girl and for posting photos of my face, um, and or just anything in general. Um, and I think. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I instigate debates about like female space marines uh, for fun, but it's funny because no one ever actually asks my opinion about it. They just kind of start arguing in the comments amongst each other and they boost my engagement. But like nobody cares um, about you know like my actual opinion. So I think that's really funny, and I and I kind of kind of abuse that rule a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, for the most part, the hobby's really accepting. I've I haven't had uh, I haven't really had any any bad experiences yet uh, that's we'll cool see. well long long may that last yeah awesome yeah no i think that's uh that's really positive obviously uh social media we we've whinged about social media already um but uh you know sometimes you see whether it's people arguing about female space screens or people arguing about or making points about diversity and stuff like that like i think the the lens of social media just kind of highlights things at the extreme ends whereas actually it's really cool to hear that you know you've had a really positive experience especially as someone that's so like relatively new um you know jumping in in 2019 to you know to have have had such a kind of consistently positive experience is uh, is really encouraging yeah thank you um i'm i'm glad i can be encouraging <laughs> um talking of encouraging what models are going to encourage themselves into your army next from an orc perspective do you have any like favorite favorite models or uh, anything that's kind of like hanging out in your shopping basket ready to buy soon so i mean i already have my favorite model which is the red gobble however with the uh data cards that have just dropped i really want to um my, on, on, in my shopping cart right now is uh zodgrad wartsnaga because he's the i think he's the only hq available to attach to aggression squad which is amazing because it, it you know he believes in the cause and he, I think he's uh, he's really good for for the Grot Revolution, and he's um, he's made like the super ultra powered Grots recently. So I think they'll be good to add to collection, especially now they're going to go back into 40k. Um, these new rules. So uh, unfortunately, the Red Gobbo is hasn't been um, put into the 10th edition so far. I think I couldn't find him. So hopefully they can there. Yes, the Red Gobbo. Like I wonder whether there's perhaps you could you could run him. Um... I suppose you could even run him as Zodgrod Watsnagger and just put him on a, a suitably sized base in him and then just him be like, yeah, like he d- you're not necessarily the super runts, the super grots in the lore of Zodgrod. Maybe you're super grots because you've been encouraged to fight by the propaganda of the Red Gobbo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely could. Uh, he's definitely going to be one of the players for sure. I'm, it would be cool to run them both. <laughs> um, maybe or something. I don't know uh it's yeah i don't know i wouldn't want him to take zodgrog's place no um, and that's it's a very cool model as well zodgrod um i just i would feel bad you know um, yeah <laughs> or maybe maybe like um commanding a truck or something or commanding a, a vehicle oh my gosh oh my god cool. the vehicles oh the new vehicle rules are insane for yeah. for i think uh for for specifically me because they can't as as i understand it you can just like run them into battle right but also now you can put gazkol thraka on one because he takes 18 points and you can put 20 points on a vehicle i think i think that's what i read anyway um i remember when i was reading through the, the rules and i'm very excited to play with them i think orc vehicle armies always look always look very cool um there's a lot of like diversity in the model range as well um even like the simple truck you can make you can make it look so different so yeah, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I'm going to do like a, a Blood Axe army, or at least a commando heavy army. I don't know whether it's going to be actually from the Blood Axe clan, or maybe I'm going to do it slightly differently. But I definitely would like to do like a kind of fully mounted Mad Max esque orc army 
with lots of commandos. I even bought a like a toy plane from a charity shop uh, that I saw, and I just thought, I think it's like a you know like a GI Joe plane or something, and it's 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 huge. It's like a kind of a Hercules um, transport plane type thing, like a C one thirty, and. Uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to buy a Dakar jet and just kit bash it and uh, and maybe use that. Might not ever get used in a game, but I think it would make for a cool like terrain piece in a kill team game or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. My plan with vehicles um, now is to make a school bus uh, from thrust. <laughs> like one of those classic American yellow school buses. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. With, with some, you know, orc graffiti or whatever. But amazing. You could. Um. Yeah. No. No. So. So. But I was thinking about the rules because vehicles can now like wah, move, charge, get destroyed, careen, and drop off units. Like amazing in one go, and that would be so cool. Um, because of the Korean function. So now I'm gonna have to figure out how how, how to run vehicles because that's new for me. Yes, I think uh, yeah, Grotz amazing. Um, a range, amazing model range, amazing potential for conversions. You know, you can bring in old classics like from Gorkamorka. You know, you've got the Forge World Grot tanks. There's plenty of stuff there, and and as we discussed, like this, you could put Grots in any orc vehicle, and indeed the majority of uh, 40k models in general, and you can just grotify it. And I love that for them. Yes. So I've got two questions for you uh, before we start to wrap up, and this is this is a couple of questions which I, I really like because I think it. It shows what's really important to someone as a hobbyist or, or a gamer. And the questions are as follows. If you could only change one thing about Warhammer and the rest would stay the same forever, what would it be and why? And if you could protect one thing about Warhammer to stay the same forever, whilst the rest of the game or the hobby or whatever would be kind of rewritten from the ground up, what would be that one thing that you'd keep the same and why? So answer those in whichever order you want. Well, if I could change one thing about Warhammer... Uh, Grotz would get their own codex. Love it. And yeah, and if I could protect one thing about Warhammer, and it would have to stay the same forever, minis would get bigger with each release. Because I've noticed that, and I've only been playing, uh, you know, I've only been in the hobby for, for a few years, but I've noticed they've been getting bigger. <laughs> so if they just continuously get bigger, how long before we actually have Space Marine armor? And, you know, well, I think we've we've started to see that already with the Joy Toy. You know, they first they came out and they were like, "Oh, you can buy a you know an Ultramarine Space Marine dude," and then now it's like, and now you can buy pretty much every single model Games Workshop make in a kind of Barbie doll, Ken doll sized thing. Right, but if they only like, but that's the whole thing. That's the whole that, that's the whole question. If it's only one thing and it has to stay the same forever, I would make it that minis specifically for the new release get bigger with each release so the only way you can continue playing with the new models is to make bigger tables and eventually just to scale up and scale up and eventually we would get to like the you know the live person chess set kind of vibe with warhammer would it would be cool love it very um alice in wonderland i feel i was going for harry potter but yeah that works Okay, yeah, I could do, I could do either. I could do either. <laughs> um, cool. Well, um, Valentina, it's been amazing having you on the podcast. Uh, thank you for uh, fighting through the various time zone and uh, and my terrible scheduling. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been great having you on. Have you got any shout outs? Any promotion things? Obviously, you've got your your commission business, and you mentioned uh, Wicked Dicey and Everwinter and stuff. Like, tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, sure. First, thank you for having me. This was this has been great. I hope I, uh, you know, kind of understood the index. <laughs> A little bit um so yeah follow me um for updates and stuff on instagram and tiktok uh i post you know some of my commission painting there um i'm going to be launching a stream and a subscribe service also on instagram um, and tiktok soon where we can um paint together we can discuss various techniques i'm gonna open it up to people um being able to send me photos of their minis and we'll kind of critique them and i'll kind of walk them through um what to do and what to prepare if you uh want to you know be paint judged at a tournament um and things like that uh and you know also fun stuff with you know wine and such um also uh and this is the first place i'm announcing this uh ever exclusive reveal exclusive reveal surprise um i am going to be launching a merch store not just specifically for my brand, but just in general wargaming. I feel like we don't have enough merch in the hobby. And it's going to be called um, Gretchen Couture. It drops next week. Cool. Well, by the time you're listening to this, <laughs> you'll have uh, a mere few days to go or a couple of weeks to go. We'll probably get this out um, 
sort of late June. Yeah, the store will be up in July. <laughs> so um, yeah, so please come check out Gretchen Couture. We're gonna have a lot of fun stuff, uh, a few collections, and yeah. And if otherwise, I'll see you guys all at Everwinter for those of you who want to come to Boston and, and play some social deduction games with us and get drunk. Yeah. It's very tempting to come all the way to Everwinter uh, to Boston just to play my first social deduction game. But yeah, when's uh, when's Everwinter happening? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I don't think they have a specific date set yet, but basically the the company that's doing it is called Wicked Dicey. They just did uh, Iron Weld, and I think they're, that we, uh, Everwinter is scheduled for... Uh, December 9th and tenth in Boston. Well, plenty of time to to practice your your social. My my two two booms. Was it two booms in a room? Two plenty rooms and to, a boom. Two, two booms in one room. Seven seven booms and how many rooms? No, now you're talking like an orc. <laughs> uh, uh. Well, uh, on that happy daiquiri note, um, it's been yeah, as I say, it's been fantastic having you on, and uh, look forward to seeing more orcs uh, on your Instagram feed uh, shortly. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. This has been great. Cool. Cheers. Yes. Bye.